is it's me it's trg the rambling gambler casino gambling is my side hustle and this is my casino combat podcast hmm did i do any casino stuff this week do i have any thoughts on gambling techniques of course i do abc always be casinoing let's get started Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary person, friendly cows around the world. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Gambling is a morally questionable life choice. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you, and we will make that number available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. Okay, what are we going to do today? I know, let's do a core concept segment and talk about 6 to 5 blackjack. Then we can do a casino wisdom that includes various free bet techniques. We did some gambling and rambling this week, so I'll share that information and the results in the travel segment. By the time we finish all that, I'll probably be ready for a VIP lounge segment, probably with a long pour. We have some new listeners in the land down under, so let's talk about gambling with an Aussie friend in Las Vegas in the VIP lounge. First, though, let's do all the housekeeping stuff. We have new content unique to YouTube every week. It's called Casino Combat Boot Camp, both spelled with a K, of course. In boot camp, I do short, focused lessons on the gambling techniques discussed in this podcast. If you want to review the core concepts in detail, check it out on YouTube, Casino Combat Boot Camp. Also, if you're a regular podcast listener, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see those numbers going up every day, and I'm grateful. Let's help the podcast grow. If you have casino friends that have not heard about us, let them know that we'd love to have them join our squad. If you listen to the podcasts, you probably use social media too. Please find us there and do the like, the share, the subscribe, all those things. Billy with the great last name and T-Rex do a great job of running all that stuff for me. Hey, thanks, guys. Ready to get started? Me too. Let's go. Remember the core concepts of casino combat? Learn to play a casino game with a minimum house advantage. Learn a betting strategy that includes both progressive and regressive concepts. Have a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is large enough for the size of bet you choose to make. Get a player's card from the casino. Play your game of choice until you have won a set amount that is small and manageable. For example, use 150 to win 150 and then leave. And if you lose two-thirds of what you started with, leave. Return in a day or two and repeat the process. Focus on winning the month, not the table or the day. And if you have a small loss at the end of the month, make it up on the free stuff and the comps. There you go. A blueprint for beating casinos and living a casino lifestyle. So today I want to focus on learning a game with a minimum house advantage. Well, if you've listened to the past episodes, I assume you know that blackjack is the game with the smallest house advantage. But specifically, I thought today we'd talk about 6-5 versus 3-2 blackjack. Blackjack is your best game for doing casino combat. That doesn't mean all blackjack tables are your best choice. Look, I've told you in past episodes not to play 6-5 to 
blackjack. And I'm saying it again, don't play six to five blackjack. And look, I'm not even telling you that 100% don't ever play six to five. I mean, look, I suppose if I was invited to a birthday party at a casino and when I got there, six to five blackjack was all that was available. And the birthday person said, hey, come on, TRG, let's go play some blackjack. I, I wouldn't refuse. And hopefully I wouldn't go off on some rant about why it's a bad choice. Look, I might try to steer things to Baccarat instead, but I wouldn't flat out refuse. But I would buy in for 10, 10 bets, table minimum, whatever that table was, regardless of what money I had in my pocket. And boy, if I lost 7 out of 10 of those units, I'd be done, done for the event. Look, I'd be happy to celebrate with the group. I guess what I'm saying is I'd minimize my risk. Anyway, on this episode, instead of telling you don't play 65 Blackjack. I'm going to teach you, hopefully in an entertaining and informative way, why this matters and the additional risks you're taking if you decide this is a game you want to play. If you're not familiar, 65 Blackjack is a fairly new wrinkle in the gambling world. When I first went to Las Vegas in the late 80s, all the games paid 3 to 2 for a Blackjack. And there are plenty of games where you could gamble for as little as $2 a hand. So let's review this. In that game, if your first two cards are a 10 value card, 10 jack, queen, king, and then an ace, you have a blackjack. And as long as the dealer doesn't also have a blackjack, you'll be paid $1.50 for each $1 wagered. So a $10 wager would pay you $15. Look, but over time, that minimum wager of $2 went to 5 and then to 10 and then, to, and then 15 became the norm. In some casinos, $25 became the starting point on busy evenings and weekends. And Vegas discovered that they had priced the casual player out of the market. The young couple on vacation or the person in town on business, they were just skipping the game altogether. So management at the Flamingo had an idea. They created a party pit right by the entrance, right by the big air curtains. And they had go-go dancers on platforms in the middle of the pit and $10 blackjack that paid 6 to 5 instead of 3 to 2 and it was a hit with the customers. So in this version of the game, a $10 blackjack hand only pays $12 instead of 15 Ignorant players would wander in from the street, see everyone having fun, and see a game they could afford to play. They were happy to play. The house was happy to use better rules to take their money more quickly. Since it was a financial success, other casinos soon followed. And this game long ago escaped from Las Vegas, escaped from the Strip, and in my experience can be found all over North America. Heck, it may be found all over the world. I just haven't been far enough around the world to know. If you know, let me know. Teach me. Tell me what it's like out there. Look, so as much as I love the Flamingo Resort and Casino, thanks so much for creating a problem in my marriage. Over and over, I get to explain to Mrs. TRG that no, I'm not playing 6 to 5 Blackjack. Over and over, she is annoyed with me because she has to play more expensive tables or play without me. And over and over, I have to explain why it matters. Let's look at why it matters. I said that at a normal 3-2 to two blackjack table, if you bet $10 and get a blackjack, you get paid $15. At a 6-5 to five blackjack table, you get paid $12 instead of $15. You give up $3 you should have made. But does that matter? It does. And for proof, I go to my friends at Wizard of Odds dot com the website if you are playing ten dollar hands and you don't use a wagering system with progressive and regressive components and you don't have an exit plan 
you're expected to lose $3.31 an hour at a 3 to 2 table with $10 hands. Now that's not a huge number to make up with some freebies. I mean, honestly, if you're in a place where the adult beverages are free, order two beers in that hour. You're a winner. The two free beers would cost you more than $3.31 at the bar across from the blackjack pit. I guarantee it. But at a 6 to 5 table, your expected loss is $13.10. Now you need more than two beers to have a profit instead of a loss. And of course, if you're playing $100 hands, a loss of about $30 an hour has become a loss of $130 an hour by going from 3 to 2 to 6 to 5. And look, I see it all the time, and it just baffles me. I see people playing 6 to 5 blackjack with hundreds of dollars per hand in the betting circle. And I just never understand why. I mean, look, I do understand why. Ignorance mostly. And look, I'm look, that, that sounds more arrogant and dismissive than I meant it to sound when I wrote it. And I don't mean, look, I don't mean it that way. So uninformed, not stupid or anything like that. But somehow these gamblers don't realize that they can get much better odds and much better treatment if they just go into the high limit room to play. I'm sorry, that's a little bit of a rant. I'm probably overly passionate about this, but you know what? I am passionate about this. And I'm going to have a second story that I hadn't planned in the VIP lounge today to show you how far casinos will go to keep players ignorant. But that story really does belong in the lounge. And and this is core concepts. Um, so I'll get back on track. So those are great $10 examples. And thank you, wizardofodd.com. But what is the exact math? It depends, of course, on the other rules of the game. But then again, if you're playing 6-5 to five blackjack, all the other rules of the game are garbage too. Like at a generic, decent rules blackjack table, the house advantage is approximately 0.30%. Take that same table... Change the blackjack payout from 3 to 2 to 6 to 5. The house advantage jumps to over 1.8%. The house advantage is six times higher with just that one rule change. Okay, okay, look, I see the hand in the back. I'm going to guess you are thinking, wait, TRG, you told us we can do casino combat with red or black, even or odd, at a roulette table, and that house advantage is much higher than 1.8%. You are correct. You have been listening, and I appreciate it. I said that. I did. Probably in, like, episode two. Here's the thing. The points you get at roulette are much better than the points you get at blackjack, which helps make up for the disadvantages over the course of a month. The free stuff, if you lose, will be much better down the road if you pick roulette. The other thing is that roulette is a much easier game to play. Let's be honest. Black, black, black. Even, even, even. You pick one, that's it. No basic strategy, no choices to make, none of that. You're managing your wager size, you're managing your exit. And then here's the other thing. When I told you in episode two that roulette was an easy game to play, I immediately also told you that the bank bet on a Baccarat table had a much lower house advantage. And it was just as easy to play. And that's my opinion here as well. If you're tempted to play six to five blackjack, and you're going to try to overcome that house advantage of more than 1.8%, just go play Baccarat and bet bank. You've almost cut the house advantage in half. Lower house advantage, less work. This is an easy one, folks. It, it really is. So here we have it. There's the math. Six to five blackjack is a bad choice made by uninformed gamblers. Well, in my opinion. 
and let me offer another reason to avoid these tables passionately. These tables exist because players continue to play them, and that's exactly why myself and many others avoid them. If we all avoid them, they start to go away. They are a product, and if we don't buy the product, it will be replaced. <laughs> okay, enough. I'll rant a little bit more about this in the VIP lounge where it belongs. Let's do some casino wisdom. Our casino wisdom this week is number 23. Always play your free or match bets strategically. Boy, I hope we don't need a casino wisdom with a number and everything to tell us to play our free or match bets if we're in the casino. I hope that's obvious. But casino wisdoms are not about the obvious. No, they're about having enough information and experience to take any action that helps us beat the casino. Sure, sure. Play your free bet or your match bet. That's the action. That's not the action. The action is the word strategically. Always play your free or match bet isn't a wisdom. It's an obvious. Always play your free or match bet strategically is a wisdom. I'm going to give you lots of examples. I'm going to share a story about me taking this to extreme. Well, but that's part of the brand, I guess. Let's be honest about that part. Um, but first, here's an example of doing a free bet completely wrong from my point of view. A player is given a free bet of $150. They take it and head to the blackjack table. A game's already going on. People are playing their mid-chew. And our example player walks right up, kind of pushes their way in, doesn't even take a seat, and slaps their bet in the circle. So the other players shrug. They roll their eyes. They pull their bets out of the circle. Our example player ignores all of that. And they get a pair of eights against a dealer's seven. And now the panic starts. Pockets are tossed. These cards should be split, but that means the free bet has just become an out-of-pocket bet of at least $150. And the possibility exists of doubles and additional splits, and it makes it very possible that there's going to be more money required. And in my experience, this player always makes one of a variety of poor choices. They don't split because they don't have the money. Sometimes they don't take a card out of fear. Sometimes they hit the hand they should have split and they lose when they didn't need to. What was missing here? Well, a strategy and good manners. Look, it's poor manners to just walk up and inject yourself into a blackjack game for one bet. The correct way to do this is to wait for the shuffle or to ask the other players if they mind if you enter their game. Okay, look, I fixed one of the problems. Let's look at some details and some strategies that would fix the other part of this problem. First, there are free bets and there are match bets. And I find the two need to be treated slightly differently. Let's start with the free bets. They're exactly what they sound like. A piece of paper or a special chip that you can use instead of a bet. Usually they are only allowed on even money bets. A bet where you can win whatever the amount of the paper or chip says. So as an example, you can wager this on house or bank on a Baccarat table because that's an even money bet. And likewise, you can wager this on the even money bets on a roulette table, which we've talked about. But you can't bet them on the number 18 on the roulette table, for example, because that bet pays 36 to 1, not 1 to 1. So what about blackjack? We just talked about a blackjack paying 6 to 5 or 3 to 2. That's not even money. Usually, they'll let free bets happen on a blackjack table. But if you happen to get a blackjack with that bet, 
you only get paid even money. You don't get the, the higher blackjack payout, which is to say, if the paper says 100 and you get a blackjack, you get 100, not 150. So how do we make free bets strategically? By betting them exactly the same way we would bet our own money. So let's suppose I have a $15 free bet available. If there are $15 tables available, then this is easy. I take 135 out of my bankroll, and that's my buy-in, because the house is providing me with $15 of free money. So I have 10 bets. I bet that free $15 anytime I want. If I reach the point where I'm ahead 150, I start thinking about leaving, and I make sure I leave with at least 100 bucks. If I get to the point where I only have $50 left, then I leave. But maybe it's a pandemic and only $25 tables are available. Assuming my bankroll can support that level of play, I'll buy in for $235. And then I'll either add $10 to the free bet to reach the table minimum, or I'll wait until my wagering strategy indicates I should increase my bet to more than $25, and I'll add the free money to my wager. Regardless, I'm always using the free money to make a bet I was going to make anyway. That's my strategy. So what about that $150 free bet? Where does that fit? Look, clearly it doesn't. You're glad to have it, but it's also a bit of its own problem, right? There's almost no situation in which I'm going to be making a single $150 bet at either a $15 or a $25 blackjack table. I'd need to be betting $50 a hand for this to be a three-unit bet. And look, that's fine if that's my normal play. But if it isn't, I recommend skipping blackjack with this free bet. My strategy for a bet larger than I would normally make is to bet it on black at a roulette table. If I win, I pocket the money and move on. If I lose, oh well, it was free fake money anyway. The bank bet on Baccarat is another great choice here, obviously. I hope, obviously. It's just usually more hassle, right? It's just more hassle getting to a Baccarat table and, and making that bet than to just walk by roulette, throw it on black, the ball spins, you're done. Look, I've been known to take this too extreme. I suppose, once again, no surprise. Years ago, we went to Thanksgiving in Mrs. TRG's hometown. And the route home passed right by a casino where I had a $100 free bet. So as we're packing up to leave, I say, hey, we need to stop at the casino for about 10 minutes on the way home. So I can make this free bet. So my wife, understandably, is less than thrilled. I believe the exact words were, I'm not sitting in the car with three kids while you go gambling. So look, I pointed out that the kids are all teenagers with devices to keep them occupied. And that I'm not going gambling. I'm going to walk in, print the slip, bet it on black, and either walk out with $100 or nothing. But either way, I'll be in and out in 10 minutes. So she actually saw the logic in this. I mean, she's been with this since the beginning, right? So she kind of knows how this goes. Um, so we jump off the highway, park the car, and in 10 minutes, we're back on the road, $100 richer. Would I have done it for $10? Nope, not worth everyone's time. I'm not sure for $10, I'd have stopped even if I was by myself. And if I wasn't interested in doing other gambling, I probably certainly would not have stopped. But $100, that was worth 10 minutes of everyone's time at least in our family. But I hope you see how free bets can be made strategically. Let's talk about match bets for a minute, because they are different. With a match bet, you need to put up an amount of money equal to the promotion being offered. So a $15 match bet requires $15 of your money in chips be added to the bet. My advice here is very much the same as with the free bet. Find a table limit where you would logically make a $30 bet. 
wait for that situation, and then use the free money you were given to make half of the bet you were going to make anyway. This becomes a problem, obviously, at least I think obviously, if the amount of the bet is larger than a single bet you would normally make. For instance, that $150 example we were using earlier. Unless you regularly play at that level, you're probably taking more risk than you should be or are comfortable with. If this happens to you, go to the promotions desk and ask if they can issue the match bet as multiple smaller bets. Usually that's not a big deal. It's just something that gets handled as a routine. Some casinos even offer this as a primary option. About a year ago, Gabriel got a big match bet offer from a casino a few hours away. And he decided that it was so good that he needed to take advantage of it. So he and I plotted um, by text message for a couple of days. He didn't want to have to match the very large bet on blackjack. That's his normal game. Well, until craps took over his life. <laughs> um, and he really didn't want to match it and then get a hand that needed to be doubled and split multiple times with large amounts of his own money. <laughs> so he, we, set it on using one of the 50-50 options at roulette and hoping it paid out. But when he arrived, swiped his card at the kiosk to collect his, his match bet, he was given multiple choices of how it would be printed out. He was able to print out a handful of smaller bets that were very playable to his advantage at a $15 table, and he finished with a nice win. And that's the last observation I want to leave you with. That word advantage. We talk about the house advantage a great deal. But what happens to the house advantage if the house gives you half the money you need to gamble at a table? The house advantage has been eliminated. It's gone. It doesn't matter if the bets are free or matched. It's a 50-50 game. Half the money came from the house. Play smart. And if or when you get to the point where you've played all the money the house gave you, you should have a profit. A few years ago, on New Year's Eve, a casino in Las Vegas gave me $800 in $25 free play chips. They were bigger than a normal casino chip and an unusual color. Now, with a paper bet voucher, the voucher goes away when you bet it, win or lose. That's what I normally see. But with these chips, they only went away if you lost the hand. So you could win two, three, four hands in a row, anything until you lost, with the same chip. I played for about 45 minutes, won a little over $1,000, and the free money the house gave me made for a very fun New Year's Eve. I told you at the start of the podcast that we did some traveling this week. How'd things turn out? All right, let's look at how the week went. Mrs. TRG had a day off work on Friday last week, so the rest of the week kind of revolved around taking a two-day trip and going south to that Caesars property where we celebrated 4th of July, which meant getting work done in four days and being ready to travel and gamble for the weekend. Monday, I had a gift to pick up at the local casino, so I made that stop, only to be given free slot play because they had run out of the gift by the time I got there. Not my first choice, but... I played it using TRG slot strategy number one and picked up a few dollars. I was able to get a seat at a blackjack table and I had a free bet and I managed to pick up more than half a day's pay before heading home. Later in the week, I had to be at a client pretty early in the day. So I hit a fast food drive through for some breakfast and got to work. And when I finished up a few hours later, I realized there was a casino nearby where I had a $15 
free uh, slot play voucher available. And when I checked the GPS, it was less than five minutes added to my trip. So I stopped to play the free play, and I was also given a game to play on the kiosk, and I picked a monster, and uh, that provided another $5 in free play. And again, my basic slot strategy delivered us a small win, but it was more than I spent on breakfast. So I'm going to call that a profit after expenses. <laughs> um, my next client stop went quick. And I was only about 10 minutes from the local casino, which gives old people stuff on Wednesday. So I stopped by for some old people free stuff, which was some stemless wine glasses and additional free play. At the blackjack table, I managed to win a day and a half's pay in about an hour. I joked at the start of the podcast about ABC, always be casinoing. But this day was a great example. I had options as I did my normal things, and I put them to work, and I put the profits in my pocket. Our weekend trip was great. We've been to this property several times over the summer, and they do the entire clean clean and safe thing just so very, very well. Our rooms were comped, and the view of the mountains and the changing leaves were you know, just it was an excellent view, excellent room. We ate room service. Mrs. TRG went to the spa for a massage. The gambling was great for the first 24 hours and less than great for the second 24 hours. At one point, in the afternoon on the second day, um, we took a break because it was really the only option. Things were just going that badly. Um, it was my old favorite. I gambled, I lost, I changed tables, and on repeat. But here's the thing. We know what I've taught. And we reminded each other that we knew it and laughed about it as we took our break. And as a result, we were not annoyed or frustrated for very long. We went to our room, we did some work, we took a nap, we freshened up, we had a small happy hour, and we went down and gambled for several more hours and won back some of our losses from the afternoon. In addition to our rooms, they also gave us reward points, which paid for one of the meals, and a free bet. They would have given us an umbrella, but we really just didn't want to stick around that long on Sunday. We needed to get on the road earlier in the morning. In the end, we had a win after expenses for the trip of about a half a day's pay. So a profit of two and a half days pay for the week. But when I talk about the casino lifestyle, this is it. The casino gave us a free room for two nights. Points to use for meals. A small amount of money to gamble with. And we used some of the money we won to pay for the spa time and some other expenses. We drove home with more money than we arrived with. I mean, look, I love the idea of the casino as a country club. And sometimes the losses are the membership fee. But in this case, the country club paid us to be members for a couple days. A winning week. So I guess once again, drinks are on me. Let's head to the VIP lounge. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. All right, grab a drink, grab a seat. Regrettably, we are out of artisanal soda today, but we do have plenty of locally handcrafted pop and all the other bottles are top shelf. So make something you like. No bartenders in our VIP lounge still, but I'm working on it. If and when the team gets the tech figured out, one of my all-time favorite bartenders is gonna join us in the VIP lounge and share some stories from behind the bar. So friends, to start us off today, one last bit of ranting about the six to five blackjack thing, but only because this is a story where I learned something about how casino management operates. And I'm always about sharing what I've learned with my friends. So a few months ago, during the lifespan of this 
um, podcast, I was playing blackjack at my local casino with an older gentleman and his wife. And I know usually I'm the older gentleman in these stories, but in this case, I was the youngster. Anyway, he started a conversation, and as he found out how far and wide I'd been traveling, he starts asking me questions about the various properties in the region. What are the rules here? What are the rules there? How is safety done? And he asked about 6 to 5 Blackjack since it's offered locally. In fact, in this case, right behind us locally, um, as a matter of fact. And I said, no, no 6 to 5 at the other places. And he says, well, good. I don't understand idiots playing that game. It's a ripoff. I wish kids would learn and leave it alone. And I agreed with him because he's right, completely right. And now there's only three of us at the table and we're not holding the game up and we're just having a conversation and suddenly a floor person comes over and starts yelling at us. Now in all my time in a casino, I've rarely heard a floor person yell at a customer and then only in emergency situations. So this came completely out of the blue. But anyway, he's yelling at us that we can't say this and I start saying, can't say what? And he starts lecturing us that, that we can't say negative things about the casino and the games they offer. And okay, I've got a bit of a short fuse on this one, and this really makes me angry. And so now I'm yelling back, well, I have freedom of speech, and you have the right to ask me to leave, and I'll leave happily, and you know that. I'm using my freedom of speech to say that 6 to 5 is a bad game, and honestly, I wish the state wouldn't let you offer it. Since it's a provable mathematical fact, if you don't like me speaking facts, you'll need to tell me to leave. And now the game has stopped, and a crowd is gathering, and the other gentleman is trying to take all the blame and apologize because he's the one that actually made the statement that the floor didn't like, and I'm insisting that I have the right to speak, and that if I'm not bothering anyone, you need to tell me to leave, or you need to go away. The bad part about all this the gentleman's wonderful wife is now getting uncomfortable. She's uncomfortable with the crowd. She's uncomfortable with the yelling. And that's not something I want to be responsible for having done. So with one more round of you can't say that, if you don't have the balls to make me leave, I'm going to say what I want. I apologize to her and I collect my chips and I leave. But in the parking garage, I text my host and let her know that sometime in the next week, I'd like to speak to the table games manager to understand the casino's position on free speech. And we had that conversation, and it was useful. The table games manager insisted that of course we have the right to free speech. The casino would never limit that. But floor people need to make sure that all the guests are having a good time. And if a conversation at a table is going to cause someone at another table to not have fun, they need to ask us to not have that conversation in the casino. So my response was, why the weasel words around it? You're saying the casino does feel it is allowed to limit people's right to speak. You could have just answered the question directly. But he says, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying, TRG. That's not what I'm saying. But you wouldn't go into a restaurant and say bad things about the restaurant. And I said, sure I would if those things were true. I mean, look, if I go to McDonald's and another guest says these fries are terrible and I agree they're terrible, I'm going to say, hey, they're terrible. And I don't expect the manager McDonald's to tell me that I can't say that some of their restaurant's fries are better. If you don't like the truth, do your job better. In that case, make better fries. In this case, don't offer the bad game if you don't want us to say it's a bad game. Anyway, 
The floor games manager kept trying to weasel his way verbally into having things both ways, and I ended the discussion by saying, I just state facts as I know them. I will change my opinion if I have the facts wrong. Am I wrong on the facts in this case? Mr. Manager said no, I was not. I'll leave if your staff asks me to, and I won't complain. But I don't expect your team to yell at me and another guest having a private conversation. In fact, I don't expect to ever be yelled at by your team, ever. I'll be honest, I avoid that floor person now if I see him. In fact, I spend less and less time at that casino now, and not because of this one issue. Because, increasingly, it's a casino with very few positive qualities. And that's the other thing. As customers, we've got to be willing to vote with our dollars. Or at least, that's the conclusion I've come to. And if you got no choice, you've got no choice. You've got to make the best of it. But I have choices, and the best of it is often skipping this property. Sad, but true. Anyway, that's my 6 to 5 free speech story. But I told you we have listeners joining us from Australia right now, which is really, really cool from my point of view. I knew it would be available all over the world when I decided to start it five months ago. That's, that's not the same as seeing the listens increase all over the globe day by day. So when I'm on a, a gambling vacation, I like to get up early and get a session in during the morning while Mrs. TRG gets ready for whatever the day has in store. The casino floor is usually quiet and mellow, just kind of chill, I guess. So one Sunday morning, I'm playing at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Now I get talking with the other player at the table, and he's in town from Australia with his daughter. He usually comes in once a year for about a week and gets enough tier credits to be Diamond, which is Caesar's third tier. And he does that by the end of the trip, which means a year later when he comes back, everything's mostly calm. So he brought his daughter this year because it was her 21st birthday and she'd been partying the night before. So he had some time on his hands and we're playing and the dealer's telling us that when she started dealing, the mob still owned Caesar's. And so my new friend and I both assumed things were much better now, and we kind of said that, and she thought about it for a minute, and she said, no, not, not really. Mob management took care of the employees better in a lot of ways. And she then told us that back in the day, if management came through and saw the tip bin was mostly empty, they would tell her to pull 100 or 200 out of the rack and drop it for the dealers. That didn't happen anymore. If management doesn't get enough people in the building, the dealers suffer financially. Look, a really interesting behind-the-scenes look at things from a Vegas I never got to experience. The final wonderful part of this story is my new friend gets ready to leave and says, in that wonderful Australian accent, it was good playing with you. You're a right good mate. Well, I've never been a right good mate before, so, so that's a casino memory that I really cherish. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand, I was born a rambling man. If you have questions, send them to questions at casinocombat.com. If you have techniques to share, send them to what I do at casinocombat.com. Don't forget, we spell combat with a K. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everybody.